Sunday, as you know, or as most of you should know, we, we postpone Church in the Park, and that is postponed until October 1st, so you'll want to make note of that. Um, so October 1st will be Church in the Park, but this Sunday, I want, I, want to, I want to emphasize this Sunday for just a moment, because it is going to be a special Sunday. We are going to have Urshan College with us, who will be doing an acoustic set. Now hear me, it might be a little more, it, it might be a little different than what we're used to. But I know I can speak for some of the praise team when I say I'm thankful for a break, okay? Now, with that in mind, it's going to be an acoustic set, so things are going to be a little different, but our worship should not change. If anything, let our worship be greater. We get to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We get to worship as a collective body together. So may our worship rise in this place together this Sunday. And worship service begins at 10.30 sharp. So be here for pre-service prayer at 10.15 so you're here by 10.30 and let us enter his, into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Amen? Amen. There will not be Sunday school this Sunday. We are going to have a, a worship service. And after that, amen. We have Brother Scott Graham with us who's going to bring the word. Amen. And we need to come with a great expectation. Amen. At this time, I'd like to dismiss our children, our youth, and our ladies, correct? All right. And God bless you all as you go to your respective classes for tonight. Amen. And for the rest of you all that are remaining in here with me tonight, thank you all for being here tonight as we wrap up this month's series on CGSL uh, and helping others. Uh, before I go any further tonight, I do want us to go to the Lord in prayer. Um, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth that is unshakable. We thank you for your promises that will come to pass. Lord, I pray right now for everyone here today, those watching online and those watching later in the archives, that you would open up ears to your understanding and hearts to your wisdom. Help me, Lord, to be nothing more and nothing less than a vessel for you and what you desire for your church tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Amen. So before I get into my passage uh, for tonight, I do want to give a quick sort of review, uh, a review of what we've gone through the past uh, so far this month. So during the first week, we discovered, remembered, and even learned that for us to lead others, for us to help others, we have to do that together. We have to be in unity. Unity is necessary. And to kind of add to that a bit, the thought of disunity should be one that disturbs our minds. It should be one that doesn't make sense to us, in the sense that disunity is a trick of the enemy. The enemy wants nothing more than to divide. And yes, there are times when one may be tempted to throw seeds of disunity 
But when you remember that that is the trick of the enemy, may we all remember that unity is the key. It is the key that will unlock even greater revival that we have yet to see. It is the key that will unlock greater understanding of His timeless truths. It is the key that will take us to places we have yet to see. Amen? Amen. And then moving on to the next week and helping others connect with God, we heard of the importance of staying connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ, and how as a result of this connection, one would begin to bear fruit. And when I go back to that or read that passage, I'm just so thankful that it was the Lord that orchestrated this. And that when you are connected, you will begin to grow. Because what that tells me and prayerfully tells you is that a connection with God requires some work. It requires some effort. It's not just something you can have one day and put away the next. It's not just something you can only reference when you need to reference it. It's not just something you put in your back pocket and pull out when you need to pay for something. Although it's good to call on Him in your time of need, that's not, what, that's not all that it's for. Because remember, He's our ever-present help. Ever-present. I mean, he's, he's always there. But including those times, to call on Him at all times. To have that constant connection with Him. To stay connected with Him so that you will not go dry. So that you will not wilt away. So that you will bear fruit then God begins to prune some of that fruit so that you, or that you produce, uh, go and read it, so that you can do what? Produce more fruit. And remember that it's not just connecting with God and it's not just growing in faith, but it's both and. You can't have one without the other. You can't connect with God without some growth taking place. And you, can, you can't grow with God without having first a connection with Him. The following week, we moved into helping others grow in faith. We went to the book of James where he wrote about being a hearer and a doer. And not just a hearer only, further emphasizing that to grow in faith is going to take some work. One has to do something. One has to take some kind of action. One has to not only do something, but it might also include and likely will include turning away from something else. Your heart and mind only have so much space. Hear me. There's only so much that you can fit there, truthfully. And if one is filling their mind with things that are not of the Lord, they must remove those things so that the Lord can begin to fill that place. And remember, we're warned that that we should fill that place, as Jesus wrote in the parable of the house swept clean, because the house was clean and garnished, but it wasn't filled again. So, So that spirit came back sevenfold. So we can't just empty ourselves. We've got to fill ourselves back up again or fill it up more. And that requires action. That requires you to do something. Remembering that we are not saved by our good works, but we are saved to do those good works. Remembering that this faith that we have without works is dead. It's useless. Then leading into last week, we went through helping others serve others. Remembering the words of Jesus After rebuking the Pharisees and scribes, saying, The greatest among you shall be your servant. First discussing what a servant is, one who executes the commands of another. How being a servant involves an element of humility and putting others' needs before your own. Not neglecting yourself per se. But then remembering what we all want to hear Jesus say one day, and that is what? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. When we serve others, we are serving the Lord. 
When we serve others, we are reciprocating that love back to the Lord. And what it means to be a servant and why. Why do I need to serve others? Remember, understanding the why will take that understanding you have to a whole new level. And that will be further planted into you. Amen. Along the way, you may have begun to realize that all these parts of the mission and helping others understand it, there, there is a prerequisite in helping others understand. And I'm careful how I word this, but just to make it plain, to help others understand, we have to be doing these things ourselves. Because the last thing I want to be labeled as, and I'm sure you can all agree and nod your head, the last thing I want to be labeled as is a hypocrite. If I tell, so, tell someone something, or if I say something along the lines of, the Bible says to do this and I'm not doing it, then who am I to tell someone else to do it? And trust me, I get checked every now and again. Okay, How many of y'all been checked by the Lord? Sometimes I feel like the, the puny running back coming face to face with that all-state linebacker who's never missed a tackle in his life, and this one will be no different. He's not going to miss this time either. And that's just how the Lord works with me. He's got to knock me off my feet every now and again. Maybe it's different for you, and at least I pray that it is. Amen? Amen. But church, I want, I want you to hear me. To, to lead others, to lead by example, we must strive to be and eventually be leaders in these areas. And in going on through tonight's Bible study on helping others lead by example, we must desire to lead by example in our connection with God. We must desire to lead by example in our growing in faith. We must desire to lead by example in our serving of others. The desire to lead by example with these may not be a desire that rests very easy in you. You may feel a little bit of, I'm not sure I'm quite ready for that yet. And I can understand that, but, but when I talk about leading someone by example in these, what I am not saying is to draw attention to yourself. It's not about what you do, it's about who you serve, it's about who you're doing these things for. What, I, what I'm not saying is to put yourself up on a pedestal. I was going to step on that, but I better not. <laughs> Others will both naturally and more important, spiritually want to follow you because you are leading in these areas. And they want to follow the same route. Why? Because others want, will desire that for themselves. They will desire that same thing for themselves. Will everyone desire to do these things? Unfortunately, no. But there will be those that will. And you leading by example in these will help those get to that point and watch this, perhaps where you are currently at will be a pedestal for them to continue onward and upward. Amen? So for tonight, I want to turn your attention to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of the word. I've got, just got a couple of verses here. 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse number 11. It says, these things, I, these things command and teach, Paul says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of all believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You may be seated. Be thou an example to the believers, Paul writes, in, uh, and then follows with six ways to lead by example, in word, in conversation, in charity, or love 
in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And in, as in weeks past and continuing tonight, there will be a couple top-level questions or points, rather, that we will be going through. Number one is ways to lead by example, or what ways do I lead by example, followed by why do I need to lead by example. Now, as I stated moments ago, we should desire to lead by example in our connection with God, growing in faith, and serving others. And I felt impressed tonight to walk through these six parts because they will prayerfully lead us back through the mission statement here at the Church of Omaha. But before that, I want to talk about what Paul writes, Be thou an example. Paul is telling Timothy to be someone that others will see the need to imitate. Timothy was a young man as we read. Paul writes, let no man despise thy youth. And Paul is saying, okay, Timothy, you need to be an example. It's time for you to be that light to others. It's time for you to be that example to others. It wasn't necessarily, hey, it's time to step it up, Timothy. No. It wasn't, he wasn't saying you are slacking, but rather you are ready to be that example. See, Paul knew a thing or two about being worthy to follow. Because if you recall, he wrote about being worthy of following to follow me as I follow Christ. So when he was telling Timothy to do this same thing, Timothy already knew that and was already doing that up to this point. He was following Paul as he followed Christ. And I would imagine there are some that were following him already. It was a mindset of, if I am going to be worthy to follow, I need to make sure that I am worthy to be followed. I need to make sure that I keep myself in check and more importantly, be sensitive to the Lord and what He desires for me and where He leads me. If there is anything that is in me, show me, Lord. And not to get too far off, but that may come in the form of a correction from your pastor, a correction from the Lord who is speaking to your pastor about you. I know that's happened to me a time or two where Bishop has approached me and I knew it was coming. I did, whatever it may have been that I was dealing with, and he would simply ask, you doing okay? And I knew. I knew it was coming. Thank you, Bishop. But and when Paul writes to follow me, that word also has a semblance uh, uh, to imitation. Some other versions actually read, imitate me. And the term is always used in a positive sense, never a negative there, there are many other examples that I could give, and I encourage you to go and do some study on your own regarding the term follow me. But here is something that may be less thought about, and if not, then it needs to be heard anyway. When following Christ as our example, when others follow us as we follow Christ, would you believe me if I told you that you also have to lay some things down? Brother Keith and I uh, talk every now and again about a message that I preached a little while ago titled Baggage Claim and how we carry around this worldly baggage with us sometimes. But in order for us to get closer to Jesus and follow Him as the Word instructs, then we have to empty ourselves of that worldly baggage, those unchristlike things, and begin to fill ourselves back up with Him again. Literally taking up our crosses daily and following Him. Laying those burdens down, laying those things down that are not of Him, not picking them back up again. I think that needs to be said. We don't need to pick them back up again because it was not what we needed in the first place, right? 
and then following Christ. Who else would I want to follow? I would not want others to follow me if I were not following Christ. Nor do I look for the praises of men, which I think is another key. I don't look for others to follow me. I desire to lead others in the direction they need to go, but not so that I can be put on some kind of wall picture frame somewhere where I don't belong, which leads back to into the greatest among you being a servant. A servant of all will do just what? Serve all without any expectation of a return of any kind, but understanding the concept of giving being better than receiving. I am receiving from the Lord. As I give to others, so I am receiving. And bringing this all full circle, being that which is an example to others, because Christ desires you to be that example to others. Those that were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, one might not think of them as an example, or maybe you do, but remember, there were those outside of that upper room doing what? They were questioning, Whoa, what's going on here? To which Peter laid it all out for them, and many were added to the church that day. Because of the example they saw, and the word that they heard, and their action to follow that which was preached that day. And like that, as Paul writes to Timothy, so we must be an example in the six ways we read here in this passage. In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And so I want to take the next few moments and just talk about these six ways. The first in word, which literally means something that is said. You may have heard the term logos, which is the written word, which is included, or logos, excuse me, which is the written word, which is included in this. To be an example of the word, in word, being that hearer and doer, living out your faith for those around you to see. And I don't think it's any mistake that Paul starts by saying, in word, because that's the baseline. Because when we put the word first, then everything else will fall into place. Your conversations, your love for another, your sensitivity to the Spirit, your faith, and your desire to live a pure life. The word is not just that which is said, but it's also in your thoughts. Hebrews 4.12, one of my favorite verses reads, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirits and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. His word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of my heart. The heart is where it starts. Before any word is spoken, there is a thought about that word. Have you ever been told that you sometimes speak before you think? Anyone ever been accused of that? Can I, can I break up your theology about that for a moment and burst your bubble? There was still a thought about speaking what you were going to speak at that time um, when you were accused of speaking before you were thinking. You still thought about what you were going to say. I mean, as quickly as the words came out and maybe you didn't think you had any thoughts, you did. Okay? And his word is a discerner of those thoughts. And maybe you've had a thought about something and thought, yeah, I better do something about that. I better, I better deal with that thought. You're taking that thought captive and bringing it into the obedience of Christ. And thanks be to God for it. 
Another example can be found in Matthew chapter 5 regarding the word, but, but more so the thoughts that lead to the action. He writes, It hath been said many times, followed by a law that they all knew, but then goes on to say, But I say unto you. He says, It has been said this, but, but I say unto you this. Go and read it, Matthew chapter 5. And then follows by getting to the very heart of the matter. It has been said this on the outside, but here's what's happening on the inside. This is where it begins, Jesus says. So we get into the Word. So when we get to the Word, the Logos, where it needs to be, and take captive those thoughts that happened before the Word, so then we can have some confidence that better conversation will follow suit. And this conversation with other men, our conduct, our life, our behavior, this second point, and even our manner of life. It is a change of outward behavior from an upward upturn of inward beliefs. There is an inner transformation that occurs so that our outward behavior will be different. Romans 12, 1 and 2 from the NLT reads, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This, truly, this is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, people will notice that you are different because of the transformation that has taken place in you. They will see the new person you are in Christ. You know, I've heard people tell stories and about people noticing that they are different. And maybe the person that, that noticed them couldn't put their finger quite on why or why they were different, but, but they knew something is different about so-and-so which could then stem to a conversation with them. And well, you, you can see where that would go, Amen. Your, your manner of life will be different. Your conversation will be different. It will be evident to others. And yes, even evident to the believers. Those who are a part of the body of Christ. Which, which further provokes other members of the body of Christ to be that way. To act that way. To think that way. And so on. Your behavior will change. You will react differently than you would have before. Because now you've been transformed inside. And just a side note and a warning regarding this word in conversation. Some versions of the Bible will combine this word in conversation into one word. Some commentaries will say that there are only five things listed here. But we see and read that there are six. And because the words have different definitions, they are different words. And they cannot be grafted into one. Let that go on record. They are related to one another, yes, because as I just shared, the word that which is, is that which is spoken, which one could take as conversation, but the word is that which starts with a thought. So it starts inside, and the conversation is the outward expression of that in your behavior, in your conduct, in your lifestyle. So again, be careful what you read on this and what version you use. Alright. And before I move on to the next point, charity, allow me to say this. If you find yourself struggling with this 
outside part where others can see, then maybe it's time to just take a look inside for a moment. You know, when Paul writes about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, that's, that's a renewing of those thoughts. That's a renewing of what you once thought was the right way to think. So the thoughts that lead to the other thoughts, that's the transforming. The transforming starts, it, it may start up here, but then it gets, get, goes a little deeper and deeper. And the thoughts that are down here that, that formed all of those thoughts that you have now are changed, are transforming. Can I tell somebody? That's not an instantaneous thing. Now it may be. God can do it. But you've still got to work through it. Because however you want to look at it, I've still got this measly flesh. I've still got situations that I've got to deal with. And God can see me through those, and he has seen me through those. Can I talk just for a moment about him being with you in the valley of the shadow of death? Did you know that that's where growth happens? Did you know that that's where things are nurtured? We are nurtured in the valley of the shadow of death. We are nurtured in, that, in those moments where we feel like there's nothing. You know, in, in my experience, in, in my testimony, as I've shared with you many times, I found myself in the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm sure thankful I did. At the time, I'm like, what in the world is going on? And it just so happens that nothing in the world was going on at that time. That God was transforming me from the inside out. He was beginning to make a change in me. And things would happen here and things would happen over here as I began that, that incline or as I began to climb out of that, that valley of the shadow of death. He was with me the whole time. And this happened over here and this happened here. And finally, I found myself to where there was a little bit of light and I experienced that light and I've been running with it ever since. And can I tell somebody that that's not the only valley that I've been in. We all go through valleys. This ain't in my notes, by the way. We all go through valleys. We all go through those dark times. You know why? Because God wants to see you through them. He, he's gonna, he may lead you to them, but He's not going to leave you there. He's going to see you through them. He will see you through them every time, so often as you continue to walk with Him. As you continue to walk with the Lord. Walk with me, Jeff. I'll be the Lord. Walk with me, Jeff, through your valley of the shadow of death. I will never leave you. I will walk with you. I am transforming you. There is growth happening here because where you're at right now. Let him be that light in the valley. Let him be that light. Let him be that nurture that you need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so taking that all into consideration and taking our thoughts captive, we, we, we take into account what's in here. We take everything into account, but also give it to Him. We take those thoughts captive. They no longer have control. We take into account what's there, but, but hear me, it's also what we allow in there. There, there may be things already there, but, but we have to be careful what we are allowing in as well. If you are taking in a bunch of bad stuff, if you are taking in a bunch of nonsense, I'll call it, then eventually that nonsense, that bad stuff, is going to come out. But likewise, if you're taking in a bunch of good stuff, if you're taking in the Word, if you're taking in some good counsel, then the same is true. 
In moving forward to the next way, we read about leading by example in charity or love. This agape love. This, this, this pure love. It is the pure love that is from above. It is that love that is to God and also to those who are around you. Remembering that the two, great, the two greatest commandments upon which everything is hinged. Love the Lord with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. This love goes beyond what we think it to be. For it is that pure love. Almost to the point of being beyond our comprehension. It is that love that Jesus showed to us. That while we were yet sinners, he died for us. John 15 is a chapter that is full of love. Jesus says to continue in his love, verse 9. He says in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will ab abide in my love. This is my commandment, verse 12, that ye love one another as I have loved you. And verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus was speaking about his love for them, whom we would soon later no longer call servants, but called friends. And remember that we are to love one another as he has loved us. You know what that means? It's preferring your brother over yourself. It's putting yourself aside for a moment as you see a person in need. It's saying, I can't do with, or I can do without this. Here, you need it more than I do. It's acts of service in a way that, that you care more about this person's need while, while not necessarily neglecting your own, but remembering, as I mentioned last week and earlier tonight, it is greater to give than to receive. In looking at the next way, we lead an example by, lead by example is in spirit which begins with the infilling of a spirit in us. We must be, first be filled before we can be led by the spirit. There is no other way to it. But being led by the spirit is to be spiritually minded, or as the word says, to live according to the spirit. And when one lives according to the spirit, his spirit, they set their minds on the things of the spirit. That is to Orient your thoughts, your affections, your desires. Let's just go ahead and say, you're everything on Him. It suggests both a reality, but also a responsibility. It's a transformation by the renewing of your mind. Your mindset is an evidence of your spiritual condition. Are you living by the flesh, or are you living by the Spirit? And being an example in spirit, we take Jesus' words to heart when he says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. I know that I would be nothing without him. Have you realized that? I think I can speak for many, if not all of you, that you've had a transformation by his spirit. Perhaps you've been renewed by his spirit. There was some renewal that took place earlier tonight. Perhaps you've been led by the, His Spirit. Some of you were led to go pray for others earlier tonight. But there was also a strong urge as we read about His Spirit to put more of a reliance on Him. And I was listening to something the other day, and, and the person I was listening to said, I want to be so led of the Spirit that I take a different way home if the Lord wants me to. I want to be so led of the Spirit that I want to walk a different path into the lunchroom at work. Why? 
Because being led of the Spirit in everything puts that complete trust in Him. And it is also submitting to Him and having that confidence in Him that there is a reason He is leading you where He is leading you. So we should strive to be an example in that. And the next is leading by example in faith. This is that which is belief, trust, confidence, fidelity. It is that which is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We walk by this faith and not by our sight. We grow in faith as we step out in faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. That this faith comes because when you are led by the Spirit, you may not know what is going to happen, but you have faith, so you go anyway. It is that which is without reservation. It is furthermore that trusting in the Lord with all your heart, which then requires you to lean not on your own understanding, but to acknowledge Him in all of your ways, and then furthermore, Him directing your paths. Hallelujah. It is that faith that cries out when you speak to the mountain, move, and it moves. It is that faith which begins as a mustard seed, so small, so tiny, but if you have come here today with just a mustard seed of faith, at least you've got something. I know you may not feel it growing, but just give it a little bit. Keep tending to that seed. It's going to flourish one day. Keep walking by faith. Keep moving as He leads you. Keep pressing in to His presence. Keep desiring more and more of Him. I can tell you that He will never run out of things for you. Hallelujah. And finally, moving to the sixth and final way to lead by example that we read here, and that is impurity. What does it mean to be pure? Purity here is sinlessness of life. Without sin. The word is unique in that it is only used in this way one other time in Scripture. There's also a reference that can be found in relationship to the Nazarite. And I think this is something special that we need to consider. Numbers chapter 6 verse 2 says, Speak unto the children of Israel, God said to Moses, and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord. And then the Lord goes on to speak to Moses about the vow of a Nazarite. Numbers chapter 6, covering the ways in which one does separate themselves. He then continues in verse 21, This is the law of the Nazarite who hath vowed and of his offering unto the Lord for his separation. Beside that, his hand shall get, according to the vow which he vowed, so hems do after the law of his separation. There has to be a separation from the things of the world. This is purity. And even though the Nazarites were not considered a priest, they effectually functioned as one. Okay, hear me. They functioned as a priest. And guess what, church? We should too. We should too. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. In verse 10, Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You are a peculiar people. 
You are an holy nation. You are a chosen generation. And you are a royal priesthood. And with that, here is the why. And then I'm done for tonight. Here is the why. The reason why we should lead by example in these things. And lead by example in our mission is this. You ready? You have influence. You have influence. You have an influence on everyone around you. Lead accordingly. Lead with that in mind. Tonight I felt the Lord impress upon me to end our time tonight in prayer. And I'm not going to stand up here and pray. We're all going to pray together. We started with 10 minutes of prayer tonight, and so that is how we are going to end. So why don't we just begin to pray all over this place as the media team begins to play the song that I asked them to play. And we're going to turn the lights off in the sanctuary just like we do at the pre-service prayer. And I want you to pray to the Lord and ask Him how you can influence others in their understanding of our mission. How, how can I help others connect with God? How can I help others grow in faith? How can I help others serve others? And finally, how can I help others lead by example? And I really want you to be sensitive as you're praying to go and pray for others that are around you. Let the Lord lead you in that in Jesus' name.